I was actually supposed to take this week off. And uh, I'm not. Why? Because the state legislature's coming back to Springfield. Uh, of course, outside of the morning show, it's my part-time gig. My full-time gig has me running around the state house, uh, chasing down politicians with, uh, with a microphone, trying to get them to answer tough questions, uh, and also trying to track legislation that too oftentimes is written behind closed doors and then revealed at the last moment without uh, too much time for actual public discourse in a public type of committee hearing uh, approach. Uh, and it seems to be what we're, uh, we're having happen here with with a, a grand energy plan that's coming together at the Illinois State House. Good morning. I'm Greg Bishop. It's the WMAY morning news feed. You can always find me online. Just uh, email me, bishoponair at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search out Bishop on Air. Uh, but talk about what's possible to happen this week at the Illinois State House. We've been hearing from all kinds of voices. Uh, tomorrow, we'll talk with the Sierra Club. Uh, earlier this morning, we talked with City Water, Light, and Power, a coal fired power plant here in the Springfield area. Uh, we've also talked to a variety of uh, state lawmakers from uh, senators to representatives in this area. But now let's talk with David Kraft. He is the director of the Nuclear Energy Information Service. He's been tracking this whole thing as well. Um, we'll get his perspective on this now with the WMAY morning news feed. David, thanks for taking time with us this morning. How are you doing? Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Tell us about uh, uh, NEIS. What, what's uh, the organization and what do you guys do? Well, last Monday, NEIS turned 40. Uh, we have been working since 1981 to watchdog the Illinois nuclear power industry, which, of course, right now is exclusively Exelon Corporation. But also we've been advocating for the replacement of nuclear power and fossil fuels with renewable energy, energy efficiency, and now, of course, energy storage and improved transmission. So those have been our two mandates for 40 years, and we're still at it, and we're eager to see what happens with this energy bill, just like you are. So with uh, the the proposals that you've heard about, that you've seen about, reported on so far, what's your big takeaway, uh, and does this fit into what you guys are looking for uh, in order to uh, bring about more renewable energy? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> this bill has had a history which began way back in 2013, when Exelon first tried to uh, use its nuclear hostage crisis to extort money out of the legislature legally through the bailouts. Uh, nuclear power, of course, provides about half of Illinois' energy, and the fossil fuel industry uh, provides another 30 or 35 percent. So these are two huge industries which have had influence in Springfield. But they both don't get it that the age of nuclear and the age of fossil fuels is ending, and we really have to make a quick and, and thoughtful transition to a different way of doing energy. Now, uh, we opposed the 2016 bill because of the bailout that Exelon got, which was $2.3 billion to bail out their uneconomic plants at Clinton in downstate Illinois and Quad Cities out on the Mississippi River. Now they've come back uh, as part of this bill in the negotiation asking for more money for what they call troubled nuclear plants at the Dresden plant near Morris, Illinois, and the Byron plant out near Rockford. Uh, this is a pattern which has gone on not just in Illinois but around the country where Exelon in particular but other nuclear utilities uh, played poverty. They, oh, the market is not giving us enough money to run our plants. Well, I'm sorry, but they're your plants. <laughs> uh, you run them or you close them. But uh, 
that does create the issue, though, of what replaces that energy. And from our point of view, you know, as I said, for 40 years now, we've been advocating that we much we have to get on an aggressive path to implement renewable energy. Now, the legislation that's being bandied about right now is uh, it's a Frankenstein of you know 4,000 pages of five competing bills that have been debated since the beginning of this year. Uh, we have not seen a final text, so we don't know what's going to be voted on. We do know that on Tuesday, the Senate will be voting on a bill, and then on Wednesday, the House will take up the bill as well. Uh, we've seen what the governor wants. Uh, our organization has actually participated in uh, some of the pieces that are in what was called the CEJA, Clean Energy Jobs Act bill, although we could not support the bill because there was a portion of it that would support nuclear power. Exelon had its own bill in through the labor organizations. There was a bill called CUJA, which I believe was the Climate Union Jobs Act. And then the renewables people had a bill in as well called Path to 100. So all of these are going to be chopped up in the legimatic, and, and we're going to have some final product to be voted on tomorrow. The legimatic. Uh, is that a Ron Popeil, uh device? <laughs> yeah. Don't try it at home, whatever right. you do. <laughs> yeah, and don't set it and forget it, uh, because right. uh, who knows what uh, ultimately comes out of that. David, uh, you know... It, it your your perspective on this aside uh right you know whether we we get rid of coal and bring about um wind and and solar and and prop up nuclear or not prop up nuclear and give it subsidies uh that aside react to this whole process you said you were involved in some talks uh early on with the the governor's office to a degree uh but you know as closely as i follow the legislature they haven't really been holding hearings about this, breaking down the specifics, looking at all the detail, how it's going to impact customers, how it's going to impact downstate Illinois with energy reliability questions. Um, what does that say about the process here of well, something coming together, possibly last minute? We see this too often with ethics. We see it with the budget that passed. And now it looks like we're on the same trajectory of uh, a massive piece of legislation that only certain people have been able to see coming up for a possible vote this week. Right. That, that's, there's two parts to the answer to this. Now, to their credit, uh, there were some subject matter hearings held earlier this year on some of the competing bills, which I mentioned, but none of those have survived intact, and, and that, that's not what we're going to be getting Tuesday or Wednesday this week. We're going to be getting this amalgam of, you know, the best of this and the best of that. That's the problem, is that there will be no time to really digest what that piece does and how they interrelate. Uh, for example, there are enormously good pieces that were in the Clean Energy Jobs Act on equity, on what we call just transitions, which is how do you take care of the communities that are adversely affected when coal plants close, coal mines close, and even when nuclear plants close. These are thoughtful, excellent pieces. We just have no idea if they're going to end up in the final results. Um, uh, from our standpoint, the nuclear standpoint, we have been opposing nuclear bailouts from day one. Uh, you can't get to a clean energy future by bailing out the past. So bailouts just have to be a thing of the past. But again, we don't know what's going to be in the final bill. We do know that the governor himself, in his version, in his bill, has uh, we've seen mission creep go on here. Originally, his independent auditors said that 
uh, Exelon, at best, would only need $350 million over five years, and maybe less, depending on the price of energy. Well, that has creeped up first to $560 million, then we heard it was up to $600 million. Now we're hearing this bailout proposal that he negotiated with Exelon is up to $700 million. And, and that's the problem is, you know, legislators think incrementally. They think about the shorter term, what needs to be done now, trying to please everybody. Everybody gets a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then folks like you, me, and your listeners kind of have to sit on the sidelines and like bobbleheaded dummies just take what goes down. Uh, we thought that that was going to be over when the age of Madigan ended. And our fear is that the legislature hasn't understood that this is a new era, not just in terms of energy, but politics and the way these things have to be done. A point of contrast, the CEJA bill, which uh, was promoted by the environmental groups and the social cause groups and the consumer groups, took an entire year and did over 100 fact-finding sessions in all of the congressional districts in Illinois to get input to create the bill. I have never heard Exelon do anything like that. I've never heard ComEd or Ameren do anything like that. So that's the contrast here, and we had hoped that legislators would would learn something from this. But so far, I'm afraid uh, we haven't seen that happen. David Kraft, he is director of the Nuclear Energy Information Service, and you can find more about them at neis.org. Again, the website, neis.org. Uh, and David, you know, one of the things that uh, that I've been trying to find out here is, especially locally in, you know, downstate Illinois, we're more reliant on coal-fired power plants, and we've got uh, uh, the Prairie State operation, we've got City Water, Light, and Power, uh, municipally owned operation here in the Springfield area. Uh, and you know they're really concerned that the, the reliability issues are going to be uh, problematic, uh, and and that uh, this this area of the state, if if they have to shut down their power plants prematurely, they say that we're ultimately going to have to buy energy from out of state, which is still going to come from from coal fired power plants. They say. Um, so, in the space of energy, what is going to be that go to? Is it you know the, the the black box of of energy? What is that? that going to be ultimately in the next 14 years uh, that's lined out to try to close down these coal-fired power plants. Right. And I, I would just say I think the concerns are justified downstate. Uh, I would mention that for the last 30 or so years that we have been visiting uh, congressional representatives in Washington, one of the first things we'd get out of our mouths is, look, we have to close down the coal plants, but you got to take care of the communities. So the jobs have to go to those communities. And again, that was one of the features of the bill, uh, the CEJA bill, was that preferential treatment would be going to communities that would be losing those energy jobs and being they needed to be replaced with the jobs that would be required in building out the renewable energy, things like wind, solar, even geothermal energy storage. I mean, why did Nevada get a $3 billion Tesla plant to build batteries? Why didn't Illinois get that? And why didn't it go downstate? Those are legitimate questions that you need to put to your legislators. It's like, how do we build a clean energy future that takes care of the people who took care of us for the last, you know, 200 years? We've got to take care of them as well. But when a practical matter about reliability is a touchy one, because uh, we do know that the region has sufficient energy supplies, so your lights are not going to go out. And even down to closing a nuclear plant, that doesn't happen overnight. It's not legally possible. So... These are things that have to be planned out, methodically planned out in a way 
that does not impair reliability. And as you mentioned, we will probably have to buy some power from out of state, but who says it has to be from coal plants? Why couldn't it be from renewable energy sources in Iowa, which is almost 50% renewable at this point? And the reason for that is because the transmission lines that were needed were blocked by the big companies like Exelon and Amaron and those folks who wanted to keep their market you know, intact. So that's what I'm saying. We are not in an energy transition phase of a little bit of here, a little bit of there. We have to rethink the whole game in a transformational way that takes care of the reliability issue, takes care of the communities that will be impacted, and finally, and most importantly, as you're hearing this in, in the discussions, this is a climate bill. And honestly, we have to get somewhere else really fast, and you're not going to do it by a little bit of peace here and a little bit of peace there. Sometimes when you're looking to uh, craft policy that's good for everybody, protectionism kicks in, and then you get certain actors acting certain ways and uh, driving things uh, one way over another. Uh, David Kraft, he is with the Nuclear Energy Information Service. Uh, let's stay in touch because this week's going to be uh, uh, touch and go <laughs> with uh, what exactly is going to be happening. So I uh, appreciate yeah, we're you keeping us plugged in. We'll be glad to answer any questions. If people want to send us email questions, we'll be glad to answer them by email as well. And again, NEIS at NEIS.org. There you go. NEIS.org. Again, the website, NEIS.org. David Kraft, thanks again for taking time with us here on the WMAY Morning News Feed.